Clap your hands, all you people. Praise Him this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That I had to share with everybody because it's to everybody. And it's got a nice, nice cross. I think this is handmade, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, we want to take this opportunity to thank you for your generosity to Brother's Keeper. We want you to know that without your gifts, Brother's Keeper couldn't exist. Again, our profound thanks, Brother's Keeper. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Am I my Brother's Keeper? Absolutely. Absolutely. All of us, um, and I, I think I can say that without limitation, all of us come to a point in our lives when we need a miracle. I mean, uh, different degrees, obviously, different definitions of that, but I can guarantee you know when you need a miracle, <laughs> no matter what your definition is. And all of us come to that point sometime in our lives, man, I need a miracle. And most of us have, have already been there, and some are now, but the truth is we, we will all be there again at some time or another. We're going to come to that point in our lives. So this is personally important for each and every one of us. It's personally important for those of you who are watching this on television. Uh, uh, maybe... A lot of times it is, but maybe it's a, a miracle for physical healing. Uh, but you know, a lot of times we think that's what the miracle is needed, but it's not. So, so maybe it's not necessarily a physical healing. More often, I think it's a miracle for some type of change in our lives. And uh, knowing you like I do and you knowing me uh, like you do, uh, it takes a miracle to change and then to grow from that. It, it takes a miracle. For example, it seems that no matter how hard you try, no matter how many self-help books you read, you never achieve that change you want in your life. No matter, I mean, you just really soak it all in, but it never happens. And it seems no matter how loving you are, no matter how much you want it to happen, there's that person in your life that you care so deeply about that just will not change. You want them to change. You've been praying about it. You've read all the books to maybe motivate them. You know they need to change, but it looks like it's going to take a miracle for them to change. And maybe if you take a really close look at that, maybe the miracle is not for them to change. It's for me to change. It's for you to change. Maybe. I'm, you know, I'm just throwing this out. You know. Well, i got good news for you, and I hope that you take this as good news. God is still in the business of working miracles, and He can make a miracle happen in your life. Uh, even this morning, if you let Him, Mark 11, 1 through 5, when Jesus had finished His charge to His 12 disciples, He left there to teach and to preach in their Galilean cities. Now, when John, who was in prison, heard about the activities of Christ, he sent a message by his disciples and asked him, Are you the one who was to come, or should we keep on expecting a different one? And Jesus replied to them, Go and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed by healing, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have good news, the gospel preached to them. Let's take that and tie that in with Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is always the same. Yesterday, today, yes, and forever to the ages. So, 
since Jesus is still exactly the same that he was thousands of years ago uh, from the very, uh, very onset. There was no beginning with him because he always was since he has not changed since by the power of his, of, of his blood and the power of his presence by way of the Holy Ghost, blind receive their sight, lame walk, lepers are healed, the deaf hear, uh, dead are raised up, since Jesus is still exactly the same, then where is my miracle? Where's mine? Where's mine? That's a question... Many, many, many people are asking, including some of you here this morning, where's mine? Many people are asking God specifically, where's my miracle, God? Where, where's mine? It's my turn. <laughs> Where is mine? In view of the fact that Jesus have, has not changed, uh, every time we quote or look at or read the Scripture, we are given the wonderful opportunity of discovering the hidden treasures of Scripture concerning Him and us, because it's always about him and us. We think it's about him and you. Oh, I think it's about him and you, but it's always about him and me, about him and us. Always, always, always. And as we do that, the Holy Spirit reveals mysteries of the kingdom, and he answers our questions with life-changing truth. And we want to go there this morning. Where is my miracle? Where is it? First of all, let's work on our perceptions. When Jesus turned water into wine, you read about that in John 2, I think, 1 through 11. You've read that, right? Turn water, water into wine, right? He instructed the servants, you go get six stone uh, uh, water pots. These water pots, you could fill these things up with 20 to 30 gallons of water in English measurement. And, and then he told them, go get six of those and draw water. And, and, and after you do that, take those pots to the manager of the feast. And upon drinking those pots, uh, he tasted that and he said, man, this is the best wine I've ever ever had. Well, does this mean I'll find my miracle if I go get some 20, 30-gallon water pots and fill them up? It's in there. We're supposed to be like Jesus. When Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law in Mark 1, 29 and 31, uh, she'd been laying sick. She had this high fever for quite some time. And he simply went to her, grabbed her hand, you know. She was laying down. He pulled her up, and she immediately was well. Well, Maybe I need to find a place to lay down and have you come over and just pull me up. And if it doesn't work the first time, we'll just do it over and over again until I get dizzy and, and just see if that works. Maybe that's, the, that's where my miracle is, you know. Maybe. Luke 5, you read about this, Luke 5, 17 through 26. Jesus healed a man who was paralyzed. You've read about this. His man's friends loved him so much they climbed up on top of the building, had him on a stretcher. I don't know how they got him up there, but they pushed him up there on the stretcher, uh, stretcher tore open the roof of the building, dropped him down, lowered him down before Jesus, who proceeded to tell the man, get up, pick up your stretcher, and go home. Well, maybe. Maybe that's the way to the altar, through the ceiling. It's in Scripture. Well, we may not realize it, but we are so caught up on the method. That's why there's so many different types of fellowships and so many different types of bodies and so many different types of churches. We are so caught up in the method. We're so wrapped up in the way to do things. We're so trapped in formulas that it takes this kind of a ridiculous comparison to get us to see the truth. When Jesus healed, and I've talked about this before, but when Jesus healed the blind man in Jerusalem, you know, he was born blind, John 9, 1 through 7. He spit on the ground, made these uh, mud pies, basically, put it on the guy's eyes, told him to go wash it off, and the blind man came back with full sight. 
Maybe, and I've seen this on TV, maybe the mud has the miracle. Maybe, or maybe it's not the mud at all. Maybe it's the spit. If you read later on in Mark 8, Jesus did heal another blind man. All he did was spit on his eyes. If you're sitting in the front row, you might get healed this morning. Maybe maybe saliva is the answer. Maybe that's where my answer is. I know this seems ridiculous, but the fact is we are not so far removed from these rhetorical questions. We really are not. Every one of us at one time or another has expected and even chased after a method or a way of doing things, a systematic procedure as being the newest, latest, greatest formula ever needed in your life for divine intervention. We've all experienced the desire to believe and participate in an orderly, logical arrangement of steps that will take us to what we think it is that we need. Some of us are still doing that. Even today, I'm not able to recall the number of times and number of varieties that this has been communicated to me. Pastor Jerry, I've read all the new, new Christian fads. I've got all the books. I've watched all the programs. Pastor Jerry, I sent in my $25. I got my holy water and sand and the detailed step-by-step directions to be blessed. It ain't working. Pastor Jerry, I've followed after the here today, gone tomorrow crusader. I mean, he told me exactly how to gain prosperity in 12 easy steps after I paid him to tell me. We talked about that yesterday. You know, I bought this book and read that book and I've listened to this one, that one. There have been as many methods as there are people in my life. I've tried almost all of them and still I'm asking the same question, where is my miracle? Where's my breakthrough? Where's, where is the thing that I need? Where is it? Daniel 2.28, there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. Secrets. This is the revelation. And all the miracles that Jesus did, everyone, and you read about them for yourself. Study them. Please study them for yourself. As I always say, never take my word for anything. Never take anybody's word for anything. Look it up for yourself. This is the revelation. And all the miracles Jesus did and still does by virtue of the fact he never changes. In all the miracles, none of the methods or the ways they were done had as much significance as the obedience it took for the miracle to happen in every situation. Read it, read it. It was the person or the persons obeying what Christ told them to do that brought the miracle. Yes, there was faith, but the action of obedience is what made the faith alive and supernaturally productive. You have to never, ever forget as genuine Christians, His Word is our action, and our action is His Word. Word, when the action of obedience accompanies the spoken words of, I believe, that's when a miracle happens. As it's written in 1 Samuel 15, 22, to obey the voice of the Lord is better than sacrifice. James 2, 26, faith apart from its works of obedience, which is the proper translation, is dead. Romans 1, 17, the just shall live by faith. Where is my miracle? It is as close or as far away as my obedience to the Lord Jesus is. It changes the accountability. It changes the responsibility factor. Yes, we're saved by grace, but there's a cost to be a disciple. The entire chapter of James, to read that, to obey God is faith. The just shall live by obedience because faith without works of obedience is what? Everybody say that. Yeah, I knew you were listening then. 
Luke 9, 57 to 62 brings us to provision here. And it occurred that as they were going along the road, a man said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus told him, Foxes have lurking holes, and the birds of the air have roosts and nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And he said to another, Become my disciple, side with my party, and accompany me. But the man replied, Lord, permit me first to go and bury, to await the death of my father. But Jesus said to him, Allow the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and publish abroad throughout all regions the kingdom of God. Another also said, I will follow you, Lord, and become your disciple and side with your party. But let me first say goodbye to those at home. Jesus said to him, No one puts his hand to the plow and looks back to the things behind. It's fit for the kingdom of God. Now, if you really look at that, you have to come to the conclusion. Most people with a cause, and we, we know this now because the election's coming up and it's really relevant, but most people with a cause are so busy trying to recruit as many other people as they can. Is that not true? I mean, that's what you do. And most preachers and pastors are occupied at times trying to get as many members into a fellowship as we possibly can, and with the majority of us, I think, operating under good and godly intentions. And I mean, I love seeing new people. I love seeing new members. This is natural in the body of Christ. It's, it's, it's what we expect to see. But consider this now. After reading just that passage, that one passage, Jesus is so radically different in his approach. Now, he appears to spend a great deal of his time trying to persuade men not to follow after him. I mean, read that again when you get time. Read that. This is not welcoming. Well, no, you can't bury your dead. You just need to forget all that and follow me. You don't need to tell anybody goodbye. You just stop what you're doing. Anybody who looks back to their life is not fit for the kingdom of God. How many people are going to just automatically sign up for that? I'm telling you, Jesus is not seeker sensitive. I know it's a big deal nowadays. Let's try to appeal to this now. Jesus was not seeker sensitive. And you know what? He sure would not come across as a very good motivational speaker either. Well, you give up everything. Stop everything you do and follow me right now. Well, well, maybe a homeless guy would sign up for that. But every one of these that follow him have lives. As strange as this seems to be, this speaks in a special way to me. The approach of Jesus teaches me and, and I think compels me to preach the unpolluted, blinded by the light, unsweetened by sugar, no fluff truth of God's Word so clearly and so boldly that only those who have actually counted the cost and are ready to give up everything for Jesus Christ will join themselves in following him and in receiving the miracles needed to make it through Monday morning. I'm not talking about your rest of your I'm talking about tomorrow. It's to make it through Monday morning. Now, why is it so important? Yes, it's my desire, and I hope it's your desire to see as many people uh, as possible come to Jesus Christ. And we've seen a lot of people, but, but we don't just want to have a crowd. That's not the purpose of what we're doing. This, this does not interest Jesus, and it sure should not interest us at all. Numbers for numbers' sake is ludicrous. We need to see men and women, young people, boys and girls, turning to Christ, Jesus the Christ, with their whole hearts and becoming true, sold-out disciples of the Master. That is where the miracles are. That's where the miracles are. 
not in marketing, not in commercialism, not in compromising who we are in order to be, and I'm not, you know, there's nothing wrong with being secret sensitive, but I'm just, just making a point here, okay? That's where the miracles, where is my miracle? It is as close or as far away as my obedience to Jesus is. So we have to stop expecting him to give us everything every day when we give him so little. That's what we do. Lord, I want everything, everything. That's a one-way road to defeat, depression, discouragement, and despair. I can't think of any other D words, but those are a few. You know, it really is. He will not stop holding back until we do. Until we do. This is so important in everything in our lives. Count the cost involved because it's non-negotiable. It's not like you're bartering with God. That's what we do. We barter so well. Oh, Lord, if you make me feel better, I'll never drink again. What happens? We go out and drink again. Oh, Lord, if you get me through this test, this uh, pre-calculus test. <laughs> he, he doesn't have a problem with that. But oh, I'll I promise I'll, I'll teach Sunday school next week. You get through the test, yay. What happens to Sunday school? Well, I'm too busy for that. I know small examples, but you get my point. You see, we ask God for everything, and he will not stop holding back until we do. If you want a miracle in your life, then you must follow what Jesus has already told you to do. You've read the scriptures. You've heard the message. You know what to do. Seek him with all your heart. Follow Jesus. Seek the miracle worker and stop seeking the miracle. That's where the key is. You want, you want a method for something? That's it. Seek the miracle worker, not the miracle. We get so caught up in seeking the thing, the miracle, uh, the, some tangible uh, evidence of something that God's doing, when if you'll just spend time seeking Him, all that other stuff will be taken care of. And, and I don't say that in an exaggerated mode. I'm absolutely serious. Commit fully and finally stop whining and start shining. <laughs> that's real attractive <laughs> and all of us don't do it that way but I thought that was a pretty good frequency to express that you know quit blaming him while he waits on you to put your pacifier down you know I, I know that sounds well you know what doesn't matter how it sounds count the cost Count the cost and don't merely change. Count the cost and then actually change for the purposes of growing up. That's the key in the kingdom, growing. And see, change is one thing, growing up is another. The way to receive is to give. The way up is down. The way to be first is to be last. The way to get others to stop talking about you behind your back is to stop talking about them. The way to be blessed is to be a blessing. The way to quenching your thirst is not drinking your tears of self-pity. It's by giving somebody else something to drink. The way to save is to lose when will we learn? And I say we. I'm not saying you. It's we. When will we learn? Fully learn this. The way to get a miracle is to obey what the miracle workers already told you to do. Stop concentrating on the miracle. Stop concentrating on the need, the problem, the issue, the worry, and start thinking about him. We can only say that we genuinely believe something if it changes what we do, if our actions change. Not if it just sits as a good but lifeless idea in our minds. Well, sure, I'm a Christian. Do you go to church? What for? Well, I don't need to go to church. Do you read your Bible? No, I don't know why I do that. 
you know, the preacher takes care of that for me. We only say, you can only say if you believe something, if it changes what you do. If we really believed him, we would act upon it. If I really believed Matthew 6, 33, I would modify my behavior to show that I believed that I would seek him first, his kingdom, his righteousness, seek him first, and then everything else in my life will be taken care of. If I truly trusted this to be true, then I would obey it. I would obey it. Where is your miracle? I know some of you have asked yourself, even this morning, you've asked, where is your miracle? Stop keeping Jesus in second, third, or fourth place. Stop putting things and people and circumstances ahead of him. Let him be first, and you'll not be able to stop the miracles. Not talking about, as Sean said yesterday in our card, not talking about forsaking those things necessary. We're talking about priorities, prioritizing. What is first? What do you think of first when the problems come? How can I solve that? Let's see, I got the resources, I got the. You know what you should think of first? Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord Jesus. How do you solve this problem? We don't do that necessarily, but we should. We should put him, whenever Jesus, and whenever, wherever I should say, he takes you, wherever Jesus takes you is not an easy road. And I'm so tired of hearing that. I really am. Jesus was not some high-flying rabbi who jetted around in his private plane from village to village, staying in the best hotels and collecting nice offerings from the crowds who were all gathered around to hear him. His ministry through you is a true faith ministry. When Jesus stepped out of his throne in glory to come down to earth to live and die for us, he left behind everything. And I don't, we can't even fathom what that means, but he left it all behind. He exchanged uh, the most magnificent wealth you could even imagine. He exchanged that for poverty. He, out of the ivory palaces into these rude cattle sheds, you know, he exchanged rulership, being the creator, to live with the created and be a, a servant. He says, foxes have holes. Even foxes have holes, and birds have little nests in the trees, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. What an irony. Can you see that irony? The King of glory, heir apparent to the throne of any universe ever created, doesn't even have a place to call home. He has no earthly security whatsoever. He was loaned accommodation by those who loved him. He even had to borrow a coin to tell a story. He borrowed a donkey to ride into Jerusalem and fulfill prophecy. He even borrowed his own tomb. He had nothing, nothing. But, 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 but can you see his glory shining? His glory shining. He gave up everything. He gave up all that he had to come and stand by you, for you. He gave up all and is ready to give you all. So what are you ready to give him? But it's so hard. It's so difficult. It's just so much easier to try to justify my inactivity, my misery. 
you know, my, my disobedience, my lack of a miracle. It's just so much easier to, to try to justify my despair or even creatively uh, express ways to make my non-commitment to Jesus be less serious than what it is. It's just so much easier to do that. It's so much less of a bother just to go ahead and release myself from any obligation, from any duty uh, to Christ by over-dramatizing all my mitigating circumstances or by offering constant apologies concerning my misappropriation of time in order to gain exemption from obeying Him. It's just a fancy way of saying, you know, excuses, excuses, excuses. We, we do what we want to do, period. Always, we do what we want to do. Well, I hate my job. I don't want to do that. Well, quit. We do what we want to do. We do what we want to do. We can always find an excuse to do what our flesh, what our carnal mind wants to do. We can even convince ourselves and others that every excuse we have is valid. You just do that while you're talking to them, and they'll eventually do it with you. Yeah, you're the stupidest person I've ever talked to, and I really hate your dress, but, you know, and they'll eventually go, well, I don't know if I believe that, but if I find myself shaking my head, yes, I don't know why. <laughs> the person we do not fool is God. Is God. He's the one that's there, there with you at night when nobody else is there. He's the one that knows exactly what you're thinking and why you've worked so hard to come up with those excuses and the foundation you've laid to present those and, and the practice. I know I'm going to practice these before I present them with anybody. He's the one we stand before now and uh, at the Bema seat. Where is your miracle? It is not found in all the reasons we use to try to justify our disobedience. Faith apart from its works of obedience is dead doesn't mean, you know, it's slow or it's lethargic. It's dead. Dead. Your miracle can be found by going deeper and wider in your relationship with Jesus. Jesus, And that's only going to happen as you start losing all the excuses for not serving Him, for, for not allowing Him first place in everything, and then deliberately grabbing hold, deliberately, on purpose, with intention, grabbing hold of the faith He's already given you to appropriate. He's already given it to you. He will not stop, stop holding back until you do. It really is that simple. Man, I've heard that over and over again for the last several days. I will not stop holding back until you do. This applies to all of us because God always, once we think, once we think something, oh, that's taken care of. Thank you, Lord. I'm glad you got me through that. And now I'm ready. Then he brings something else up, doesn't he? Something else, something else. And he says, um, I'll, I'll keep holding back as long as you do, as long as you do. Listen to the madness, okay? Just for a moment. Listen to this madness. I need God to help me. I need God to fix me. I need a miracle, but I am not going to reprioritize all the important things I need to attend to in order to get my miracle. My career, my education, my girlfriend, my boyfriend, my wife, my husband, my, my recreation time, my sporting event, my drugs, my alcohol, my weekend rendezvous, my sleep in late morning, my I'm too busy for anybody, but my self-attitude, my get somebody else to do it because I'm not led religious sounding cop out my poor pitiful me I'm feeling so sorry for myself but I don't expect uh, to make any effort to grow up in my own uh, lazy lifestyle I'm not going to put any of this aside I know my loyalty and commitment to Jesus Christ does not surpass all the other loyalties in my life but hey God I still expect you to give me everything I ask for 
Is that not madness? That's madness. It's lunacy. We put people at Lincoln Avenue for kind of, that kind of thinking. It's madness. The, and, and just to just to make a point, the gig is up, okay? <laughs> I mean, really. The gig is up. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. You know, the alarm sounding, playtime's over, recess is finished, class is back in session, your free ride has run out of gas. You know, put up the toys, your daycare is closed. You know, you're too big to keep wearing diapers. It's madness. You cannot even understand yourself with that bottle in your mouth. The horse is dead and it's foolish to try to ride him anymore. He ain't going nowhere. It is all or it's none. Where's my miracle? It is all or it's none. That's the balance in, in his kingdom. You either give, your, give all of yourself or you give none. James 2.17, again, so also, also faith by itself, is it do, if it does not have works, if it does not have deeds and actions of obedience to back it up by itself, it is destitute of power. It is inoperative and it is dead. Your miracle is as close or as far away as your obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ is. And you all know this by now, but you need to hear, we, we need to hear it together. Jesus is always seeking followers, not fans. We know that. Yay, Jesus. Come down here and get in the game. Oh, no, I'm on the sideline cheering. Yay, Jesus. You know, he wants you in the game. Does absolutely no good to stand on the side and cheer somebody who's already won. <laughs> the game's already won. You go. What do you mean go? I've already won. He wants us in the game. He wants people to be converted and transformed, not just talked to and convinced. If I could talk to you and convince you to follow Jesus, somebody else could come along tomorrow and talk to you and convince you not to follow Jesus. We need to be converted and transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's so much easier to be an admirer of Jesus from a distance than it is to be a follower. You know that's true. You can admire from a distance and you will always be relatively unaffected by anything whatsoever. But I'm here to tell you the true followers of Jesus Christ have their lives turned upside down and inside out every day. Every day. That's what it takes. That's what it takes for us to become like him because we're so stubborn. We think so much of ourselves. That's our nature. Me, me, me. If they were born, wham, me, feed me, change me. Me. And that's what we do for the rest of our lives to some, de- some degree or another. It's me. And God says you have to uh, be turned Inside out and upside down if that's going to change. So where is your miracle? It is in the presence of God as you give up and give Him everything. We experienced the presence of God this morning when we sang during worship. And if you didn't, how, who says that? Your wood is wet? I think Mike says that. And you, you know, if you didn't experience that fire, your wood is just plain wet. I'm telling you, waiting for your heart to obey what you know is the right thing to do is the only reason you haven't had a breakthrough because you're waiting, you're holding back. You got to let go, quit holding back. It's in His hands, ready to be given to you if you will just understand that you can give up everything and you can realize that it does not even compare with everything He wants to give you. Oh. He is not a no God. He is not a can't 
God. Everything is yes and amen in Jesus Christ. Yes, you can. Yes, you will. Amen. Right on. Let it happen. G-Y-B. Praise God. God wants to give you everything. As soon as you stop holding back and stop looking for that thing, look for Him, more of Him. We're all in the same boat. This is the good. This is the finalizing uh, with some even more good news. We're all in the same boat. We all we all have problems. I got problems. You got problems. All God's children got problems. All of us. Every one of us. The, those people that you think are so far removed and they're just so spiritual and so righteous and so close to God through Jesus Christ, they got more problems than you can ever imagine. We've all got problems. The good news for us that this makes every one of us perfect candidates for a miracle. Perfect candidates. Man, didn't have problems, you wouldn't need a miracle. The secret of receiving the supernatural intervention of God starts with the fact that first we have a problem. Now, I know AA and, and Narcotics Anonymous and all these programs think they came up with that principle, but they took it right out of the Scriptures. When you read those books, you'll see they stole it right out of Scripture. Uh, we have to start, you've got to identify that you have a problem. And second, you have to be willing to admit that, that it's there. Oh, I know I've got a problem, but I'm not dealing with it. We have to look at ourselves and look at things in our lives for what they really are and what they really do. Look at ourselves for who we really are and be willing to admit the truth and bring our problem to the light. Don't you know that's why we have brothers, uh, uh, iron sharpening iron and brothers keeper and, and uh, the, the girlfriend's ministry, whatever you call it now, I get confused. I keep calling <laughs> the youth ministry something else. I don't know why I do that. It's just, it was something new. Now it's something real, not something else. And plan B is which. But anyway, you get my point, okay? That's why we have all that. So, because it's supposed to come to light. If you, what's the scripture say? If I see my brother in a sin, I'm supposed to say, hey, are you okay? You know, tell me what's going on. But what do we do? How you doing? Praise the Lord, I'm doing fine, brother. God bless you. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm not doing so good, man. Would you pray with me? Can, I t- can, we, go, can we go over here? I want to tell you, let me tell you about something. You have to let this stuff come out. And we have to help each other. We think, well, you just go pray and tell God about it, and you guys deal with it, and I'll see you later. Uh, you just, you know, it's between you and God. I, got, I don't want to go there. Yes, you do. You're supposed to go there. We're here for each other. That's why it's called a body. We operate together. We work together. If you'll just admit, you know, identify the problem and bring it out. I know it's difficult, but we spend the most of our Christian lives inventing all kind of these avoidance strategies. Well, I'll deal with it next week. There wasn't an altar call this Sunday, so I didn't need to, you know, I didn't need to do anything. Ah, they didn't play the right song. That uh, purple rain called Jesus rain, that just wasn't right for me to, to deal with my problem here this morning, you know. <laughs> avoidance strategies, defenses, denial. I mean, we're, we're so experts at this, so it's not easy. I know that. But if you will admit, if I will admit that I need to make Jesus first in my life every morning, every afternoon, Jesus, I need to make you first. I know I've messed that up somehow in this whole situation. I apologize. I repent. I turn from that. Please allow me to see where you're not first and so I can make a difference in my life and focus on that because this problem is, is keeping me from you and from your miracle that you have for me because I'm not putting you first. 
And if you will do that, genuinely do that, and say that to God himself, then he will give you the courage you didn't know you had to do something about it. Because it takes courage to do something about it. It takes courage to bring these problems up and admit to them and, and talk to them and, and bring them before the throne of grace and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Help me. Help me. Because we, we think, well, now that we're Christians, we don't deal with that stuff. And that's, that's baloney with, with the mustard on it. Ugh. Well, some of you might like mustard. That's an that's a, that's a apple butter and mayonnaise sandwich. Yeah, really. Yeah. So it's one thing to diagnose, but you've got to go further than that, okay? It's one, yes, I have this problem. We can identify, define, and analyze all day long but until you're blue in the face. But you have to, go, you have to be willing to bring your problem uh, to, to each other, but also then you come together, each other, you bring that. Two or more gather in his name. You bring that before the highest authority in the universe and get it taken care of. Oh, it may not happen today, but you'll be, you'll be tested with it. I mean, you're going to be, check you out. Are you serious? Let's just see this afternoon because I'm going to put you in line at Wild World, 12 people in front of you, and every one of them going to have a problem with the pricing. Every one of them. Let's just see if you're serious about that. Well, Lord, maybe I wasn't so serious. <laughs> I'll work on that next week when they sing Just As I Am. <laughs> you have to bring we're experts within all your willpower here this morning and the willpower that God has placed within you you don't even know that you have, which is His willpower. You can do something about this difficulty of putting Jesus first in everything in your life. I really do believe that Jesus is always ready to intervene in our lives, always, that it's up to us. We're the ones keeping Him. We're the ones holding back. We're the ones. We've got the, the gate. You know, We've got the lever to the gate. And we choose to let it down. He's always ready. He's always. So I'm asking you, along with me, give that to him here this morning. Everything. Nothing will stay the same when he moves in your life. And you know this to be true because you've experienced it yourself personally. He's moved in your life. He's touched you in your life. And when he does, he changes your habits. He changes your attitude. He changes your lifestyle. He supernaturally intervenes in the natural order of things and performs the unimaginable. You have seen it. Why are you holding back? Because you can see it again and more. Where is my miracle? It is in the presence of the Holy Spirit here today and in a step of faith. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me right now. Father God, I ask you to penetrate to the marrow of the bone, which I know you've already done with your word here this morning. And Lord, empower us with the courage to not only identify the area or areas in our lives where you're not first, but to bring that out and bring it before the throne of grace and have something done about it. Help us, Lord. Help our unbelief and and help us uh, to humble ourselves and participate in what you want to do in our lives here this morning. In Jesus' name, please, with your head still bowed, i got to tell you, pride is really what keeps us from responding to God working in our lives. And you need to know right now, pride is not for God to take away from you. Pride is for you to give up.
It's your responsibility to get rid of your pride, to put yourself on the altar and obey Jesus. And I'm going to ask you, those of you who will, I'm going to ask you to come up. We're going to play this music at the end. Those of you who don't come, I'm going to ask you to keep praying. But I'm going to stand down here on the front. I'm going to ask you to come down. Let's pray together. Let's identify the things in your life uh, that are keeping you from placing Jesus first and bring them before the master of the universe and have a tangible, realistic life change begin here this morning. I'm just going to ask you uh, one time, and then uh, uh, we'll exit as we feel necessary to leave here this morning. There's not going to be an official closing. But I'm asking you now, this is the last and final time. Come, let's pray together in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.